Modern Pleasure Podcast is sponsored by Adam and Eve. Lean in to your sexual curiosities. Are you ready? Because it's about to get real. Modern Pleasure answers the questions about sex that you've always wanted to ask, but didn't. For anybody who wants to experiment with this type of play and you've never done it before, I think it would require a fairly decent amount of time and a conversation about it with your partner. So how do you move from that vanilla light kink to something a little bit more daring? I mean, I for one would be very uncomfortable, I believe. I don't know that I would want to do it, but part of me says, why not? Okay, I'm uh, I'm just going to say it. I have no idea how today's convo is going to go. I really don't. It's going to be interesting. And I'm sure uh, Dr. Jenny is ready for this, right? Sure. It's fun. <laughs> okay, and you look ready. I mean, I love what you got going on here. I love the outfit. Thank you. So, <laughs> uh, defining kinky sex. Beginner, intermediate advanced ways to play and speaking of play adam and eve has an incredible offer to share with anyone who's listening to our modern pleasure podcast go to adamandeve.com use code word modern and get 50 percent off almost any one item at checkout and you also get 10 free gifts and free shipping on your entire order and no worries if you have nosy neighbors or want to keep your adult toys a secret packaging is discreet nobody's gonna know Did you know that Adam and Eve is the leading sex toy company in the U.S. over 50 years? And I just found out that they have over 20 million customers. That's freaking huge. I had no idea that they were that big. They're incredible. Check them out. AdamandEve.com. Use code MODERN to get 50% off almost any one item. And you may want to explore that after this episode. (laughs) For sure. Um, We're going to have Savannah on in just a little bit to to go over some fun products um, that she picked out that she thought would be good for this episode. But um, to be quite honest, I'm I have no I am not a kinky person. I've never been into the kinky thing. I don't know why. Uh, Just I'm I'm at a loss for words here. So I'm just going to let you roll with it because I don't even know how to begin. Sure. Um, let's define it. Let's do right? that. So maybe Kim, you know, you say you're not a kinky person. You you might not realize that you have an inner kink, or you might have a part of you that I, is kinky. Right? Knew, maybe maybe how you, God. I knew you were going to say that. I just knew you were going to say that. You were going to say, you know what? I bet you are. I bet you have a little kinkiness in there somewhere. You don't even know it. Hmm. I mean, it's it's. If you think about kinky really globally, it's it's just not mainstream, right? It's that playfulness that's outside the vanilla box or outside the traditional box of uh, in terms of our sexuality. Certainly, that out you know the the, the alternative sexualities, um, and kinky really more specifically refers to the BDSM world, so bondage, discipline, sadomasochism. 
I had a friend who used to to do that. She there was a club that she used to go to. Um, and there's no judgment on it, right? I think it's it's really easy for vanilla people to kind of be in shock and have sort of that um, jaw dropping experience that leaves the kinky community feeling pushed out or ostracized. So I just want to like sort of invite in the permission again of you know everybody's sexuality is welcome, and if your sexuality is more kinky or unconventional or alternative that's totally welcome and and i just want to add i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it i was just feeling super naive about what i didn't know existed i mean i got the whole s&m and the bondage thing and the you know um uh uh, couple sharing and stuff like that I, i mean i get that i know that but i mean some of the things that she was telling me about i i was just like I didn't even know that was a thing, <laughs> you know, and so that's where the surprise is. So I am very curious about what kinky, the definition of, of kinky that we're going to get into. But yeah, no, I, I want to make sure that I preface too. I'm not by any means making any judgment calls or anything. I'm more or less calling out my naivety <laughs> when it comes to this and you know, and sometimes that's a little difficult to admit because I'm thinking, geez, at my age, you should be a little bit more versed in this, but maybe not. I don't know. Oh, I mean, if you're not, that's fine, too. I mean, it's vanilla is mainstream because most people live in the mainstream, right? And if that works for them and that's where their locus of pleasure is, then there there might not be a lot of opportunities or even time to consider outside that box. Right, right. Um, I think for the sake of this episode, let's keep it to BDSM. Okay. In terms of that can be more broadly, you know, all the other things that are outside that vanilla box to include outside the vanilla box of relationships. So in this case, BDSM, right, bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, um, really allows couples or lovers to play with, Um, all those elements. So, you know, bondage elements is where we tie up, we are either tied up or we tie someone up. Um, uh, Domination, you know, the D for domination is sort of playing. And the S, so there's sort of, you can kind of take this acronym and, and tease it apart. So you could do bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, or you can take out the DS and do domination, submission. And domination submission play is really having more of that um, person who's in a very dominant role and person who's in a very submissive role. And you can extrapolate and have more identities or labels to that, right? So you can have master slave or mistress slave, right? You can have just doctor patient. <laughs> you know, you can role play through the different names. Um, a lot of a lot of dungeons or a lot of um, dominatrix people will have a slave, right? And it doesn't mean slavery like we know it historically. It is more the person who serves them in a submissive role for a period of time. It's a contracted period of time. And they can do that within the dominatrix dungeon or or even outside it, right? It's the contract between the two people that make it that DS dynamic. Um, oftentimes there's a piece of verbal humiliation or physical humiliation that is involved in that. So, Um, so when you say, so I want to go back a little bit. 
So when you're talking about the dominatrix and the slave and all that, so you're, and you said a contract for a period of time. So this this is definitely like a role playing game. But is does that mean like are you hurting each other? Let's get to SM right sadomasochism again. The whole thing is role play. When you are in this contract of play, right, you contract to play in a certain way, either dominant submissive dynamics or with sadomasochism dynamics, and you sign up knowing that it is all role play and it is all a mix of playing with the edge of pain in a way that is pleasurable. So let me say that again. It is not inducing pain that is unwanted. It is playing with the edge of pain or even things that are feel have a sensory or an emotional experience of pain, but it is through the experience of pain that we feel the pleasure, which is why it's not for everyone. A lot of people don't mix those pain and pleasure pathways. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, you could talk about the neurobiology or the psychology of those cross wires and we could do that if you want to but the idea is it is role play it is pleasurable for both people engaged in this play it is a contract of play and after the play is over um there is a there is what we call aftercare of it's the come down it's the container where we take care of so it's usually the person who is submissive um or the person who was tied up um, gets to be nurtured and tended to. Mm. And if you really extrapolate aftercare, it's good for the the whole couple, the whole system to process the experience, what went well, what didn't go well, what were the challenges, was the safe word executed um, at any point because we crossed a boundary, um, was it needed or were we on the edge of it? So what I, need, what I mean by safe word is because we are playing with this idea of pain emotionally and or physically, couples need to contract in a safe word, right? Because the whole thing is a consensual play zone. And and the idea is we don't go beyond somebody's consent. And the way to protect that, to protect that boundary is a safe word. And the safe word is never usually no or stop because that could be part of the fun of the play. It's like, no, right. no, 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 stop, stop, right? So you want a different word like banana or <laughs> I don't know. It's no. always a fruit. It's always a fruit. It is true. It's not always a fruit. It could be lavender. <laughs> um, people come up with whatever name they need, right? But if you know, if a if a if a play partnership, and it's not always a couple, right? Sometimes play partners are not um, lovers. Um, but if the play partnership, if if the if the two people playing do have to end up using the safe word, that's an important conversation to have in aftercare and afterwards, right? That's interesting because I guess when I think of S and M, I've always thought of it as being a very painful experience, just because of what I've heard and and that there was pain involved, that there was whips and maybe you know some tough uh, bondage, you know, handcuffs or something along those lines. I will admit, I have I have experimented with bondage before, but it was not painful. Painful. We didn't do the whole, you know slave role it was just more i think there was whipped cream involved maybe it was long it was still very vanilla but um light kim it was light kink right i like to qualify categories think about kink on a spectrum or bdsm on a spectrum from very mild or light to very heavy very heavy play right and where you land in that right that's what the safe word is about and the contract right this is why it's consensual play 
um, say, you know, we use this sort of acronym of safe, sane, consensual play because um, some, you know, we need to have a boundary based on the based on the person, you know, both people's boundaries and limits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if one person wants to play medium and the other person wants to play light, the boundary and the safe word allows us not to go past the light person's zone into too much medium play. I have a question. Do you find that there are um, couples that maybe the female would be in a sense of obligation to take part in this kind of stuff? And and what kind of effect might that have on someone? And I'm only saying this because the friend that I'm talking about, she didn't really like doing it, but he did. And she just wanted to make him happy. So she went along with it. And to be quite honest, uh, over months, period of time, it really affected her mentally and the relationship ended up dissolving. But I I remember feeling like, well, then why are you doing it? And I just wonder if there are a lot of times in these instances where this kind of uh, role playing or, you know, S&M could be harmful on a mental level. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's a great question for Savannah. It sounds like she has a personal experience with that. And I've definitely had couples where we're trying to negotiate the sexual styles that are very different that way. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that, yeah, it can be, it can be a deal breaker for couples. Um, There's workarounds. I'll talk about a workaround in a moment, but I think it's really important that both people are on the same page wanting to play because otherwise um, it can be borderline to full abuse, um, right? You have to be safe, sane, consensual play. So the consent first is, do I consent to myself, right? It's the internal check. Do I want this? Am I, and it's same for any kind of sex, to be honest. It doesn't have to be just BDSM or kinky sex. Do I want this? Checking in with your internal landscape that the consent first comes from inside so then that your yes is not obligatory or autopilot. I think that's a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, if you're, if you're playing in a dynamic that doesn't work for you, certainly if you are in a submissive dynamic that you don't want to be in, that can be really tricky. Um and can be very non-consensual. Yeah, and I think I've always kind of wrapped my head around her experience because this was years ago, and um, I just remember thinking, that just doesn't sound like any fun at all for me. But I also wonder for anybody who wants to experiment with this type of play, um, and you've never done it before, I think it would require a fairly decent amount of time and a conversation about it with your partner to, so how do you move from that vanilla, you know, light kink to something a little bit more daring? I mean, I, I for one, would be very uncomfortable, I believe I would be. I don't know that I would want to do it. But part of me says, why not? Mm. hmm Yeah. It's a great question. Why not? I mean, I'm claustrophobic. I don't like to be tied up. <laughs> That right there causes anxiety. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. But maybe I could be the the one who is, you know, have George be the submissive one. He might like that. I don't know. Never tried. 
Yeah. Or you do it in a way you, you can experiment lightly. Like I remember from last episode, Savannah described her cool experience with her boyfriend where she was blindfolded and tied up and gave him specific step-by-step directions of what she wanted in terms of touch and sensation to elevate her arousal and her orgasm. And, and it was very illuminating for them because for she described it as oh, she had to wake up and actually very specifically say everything. And the boyfriend now knows her body map really well. So, you know, yeah, you that was interesting. That way. Yeah. Interesting. You know, and Kim, I'll say this. I've got couples. So it's I don't think it's a deal breaker. As long as it's not abusive, I've got couples where one person's really kinky and one person's really vanilla. And what we have done in couples therapy is this. We separate the night of the month for one person's play versus another. So let's use, um, let's call, can I just use your name for, for the sake of anonymity? Yes, the you can. I mean, you've already had me describing my okay. husband's penis, so I really don't think that okay. this is a stretch. Oh, well, good. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's say that you're the vanilla one, because it sounds like you are. I am. And let's hypothesize that George re- is really kinky and wants to be tied up and, and verbally humiliated, hypothetically. Right? Okay. And you're like, ooh, that feels edgy to me. You know, I've got some pieces around being tied up that kind of don't work for me. And I just, does it, none of this is a turn on for you. But for him, hypothetically, vanilla sex is not a turn on for him. So how do you negotiate this? So I have a lot of couples in this predicament. And what we do is we assign certain nights of the month to the Kim month, to the Kim days. So those are vanilla days for Kim. And then there's kinky nights for George. So it's sort of like K nights and G nights. And as long as the marriage or the partnership is really solid and loving, it's an act of generosity, right? He gives you oral sex and does vanilla, you know, things to help elicit arousal and orgasm for you as a gift, as a generous gift of love for you, even though it doesn't really do much for him arousing wise, it does open his heart, right? Yeah, for sure. And on his nights, maybe you tie him up, maybe you do, you know, verbal role play, pieces, whatever he wants, right? And he can be very specific with what he wants because you'll be new to it, right? Until you're more seasoned. But usually the person who wants to play more kinkily will give you the exact directions of what they want. And then you can offer that to him, again, as a generous act of from your heart, even though you know it doesn't arouse you. So you sort of, you're, you have this asynchronous sex, if you will, right? That works for couples who have stylistic differences this way. I I may need a how-to manual in order to make that happen, but I can just see, I can see George coming to me after he hears this episode and going, yes, we need to do this. Um, That's very interesting. So when Mm -hmm. we're defining the different um, uh, levels of kinky, would you say that beginner kinky is more on the light side and maybe what you just described with me and George and kind of, you know, moving into something a little bit more daring? And um, and I, I actually will bring Savannah in here in a minute, but I do actually like uh, Savannah's uh, description of what they did. I think it was a book or something that they had that had different little you know, this is what you're going to do this time or something like that. She'll, we'll have her explain that a little bit better. But um, so I'm assuming that that would be kind of on that beginner level. Now, 
I'm, let's just pass intermediate for now. We'll get back to it. What is the advanced level of this when we're talking about um, the S, what did you call it? BD. BD. So that's bondage. Discipline, Discipline, sadomasochism, sadomasochism. or yes, is domination, submission. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, So let's go to the completely other spectrum. I mean, what does that look like? Heavy play is is um, just a heavier experience of this dynamic. It's still role play. It's still safe, sane, consensual. Um, I'm going to speak to something in a moment about that. But what it can be is it can be medical play, sometimes using medical instruments. It can be um, using wax or fire. It can be cock and ball torture. It can be heavy, heavy humiliation. It could be having a full-time slave. Um, There's definitely some mistresses who have full-time slaves on call. Um, It could be... um, you know, having full um, tie up with with heavy, heavy whipping with either whips or canes or whatnot, you know, so there's scarring, sometimes even, you know, eliciting blood. Wow. So it's really heavy, heavy play um, that is usually on that heavy end of the spectrum. And, the, and you know, again, excuse my, uh, my naivety on this. Is that... Is that healthy? Is that a healthy way to have sex? I guess it's just an individual thing, right? I mean, so that's a it's a tricky question. It's a spectrum. I I think that you know, if you put anything in our humanity on a spectrum and you take it to the polar end, it is important to ask about its integrity and its health when you have it on the end, whether it's, whether it's religion, whether it's philosophy, whether it's, you know, sexuality, when you're at such a polarized end, it could be healthy, but you also, I think it's worth the inquiry of what, what's the driver behind it? Because such an extreme polarity of anything in our humanity, right? And, And that's just my, I think, I think health lives in the moderation of the in-between. Mm-hmm. I think it lives in the moderation of nuance, mm-hmm. right? So polarities, in my opinion, um, are, are rigid. And so I get curious about those. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily trying to judge those or, or um, pathologize those, but I'm getting curious because in my curiosity, what I find is that sometimes, especially in the polarities of heavy play in this case, there can be trauma reenactment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been and that's- my experience with my friend. Just, you know, so I guess that's where the question for me lies is, you know, how far do you go and and how and at what point? But that was a really good answer because um, when you consider it the moderation and the in-between that to me makes a lot more sense. But I guess, again, you know, if you're in a situation and I think we'll bring Savannah in here because she might be able to talk to the, to this as well. But if you're in a situation where you feel forced or obligated, that's where the, the probably the, the big problems would arise in that relationship. It's also in the person who wants to play that heavily. 
Mm. Right, the trauma reenactment, whether you are in the D or the S role. Oh, you can be the, the one that's giving it that has a lot of the yeah. trauma. Mm. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a I had a male client once who really liked heavy, heavy humiliation play. And he was somewhat distressed about this. He's like, it just doesn't seem normal. And we were like, well, let's put aside the pathology of what's normal because that doesn't really serve you to, to, to judge yourself that way. But let's look at where this comes from. Right. And and there's a great book called The Erotic Mind by Jack Moran. He's passed, but it's a great book that sort of deconstructs where our eroticism comes from. And the the and we have a, and, and what he really says, the essence of the book is when we have painful childhood experiences, one of our defense mechanisms is to eroticize that which is painful rather than because children can't internalize too much pain. Pain. They, they, they can't handle it. They, they get flooded or they disassociate. There's no capacity. Mm. So what the human being does sort of unconsciously and intuitively is take that which is painful and make it erotic because now we're taking that which is painful and making it pleasurable. Mm. He, emerged. he was very humiliated by his father his entire life. Um, and he really, you know, eroticized that. So he really loved to be humiliated by his female partners. And what we did is really work on the trauma of being humiliated as a child. And what happened is this erotic template did not go away because you can't do an erotichectomy and yank it out. And nor was it, but, but it softened. What it is is it softened in his system and it also made space and capacity for other kinds of sex because he was pigeonholed and the only way to get aroused in orgasm is to be humiliated heavily. So what we did is we softened the trauma piece and opened his palate to a full, you know, experience of, of sexuality, and his humiliate the level of humiliation he needed to be aroused was also lower. Right, he didn't have to be told he was the most worthless piece of crap on the planet anymore. Right, um, and that was that was what happened for him. I'll just say that. And mm. so, so even so, so, so sometimes people will come to me and go, "This feels a little distressing." And they have a hunch that it's a trauma reenactment. And that's and that's a good place to explore because BDSM can also be trauma healing, right? There can be an empowerment in doing a scene that happened to you in adolescence or early child or anywhere in your life. And you get now get to be the controlled oh. <laughs> control and be the director of your scene, which can be really healing. I never too. thought about it in that way, but that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So so depending on the nature of this. It can be in a reenactment or it can be really healing. It's therapy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bring Savannah in. Hi, Savannah. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. I just love your little, this obviously is your bedroom. I I wanted to ask you before I forgot, what are the little neon lights back there? They're beautiful. Um, That is a naked girl with her butt out. Okay. And this one is... A pair of legs with panties coming off. Oh, okay. <laughs> My husband was watching uh, our video the other day because I was showing, I did a little snippet video that I put on social media. And he's like, What are those lights back there? I go, I have no idea. I meant to ask her that and I forgot because I couldn't tell. So, um, Savannah, it, we've introduced Savannah before. She is our modern pleasure reviewer and glad to have you back. And I know that you were in the green room listening to our conversation. And I know we talked a little bit about this uh, in the last episode that you were here. Um, but uh, I, 
I'd like to get your take on the conversation that we're having. And sounds to me like you've had some very similar experiences in terms of、uh, having this type of sex or role playing that did create a little bit of an issue for you. Yeah, absolutely. I also have had experiences that were super, he- super healing, like Dr. Jenny was just talking about.、Um, when you have the right partner and you feel safe, those kinds of reenactments, you come out of it feeling a little bit like you've metabolized some of that trauma and like been able to release it out of your body.、Um, so I've also had that experience as well.、Um, but what you were talking about earlier, as far as You know, lack of consent or it being problematic, borderline abusive, or sometimes fully abusive. My one of my past partners was very into, I don't know if we call it like age regression, age play, Dr. Jenny. I don't know like the exact terminology. There is something、um, called play. I mean, I don't know what kind of play you guys did. did. Did you have to act as a baby or child? He wanted me to pretend that I was like 13 or 14. Like,、mm. Okay. Yeah.、Age、it、play. was not. Yeah. I, I want to like try to respect his kinks and turn ons at the same time as acknowledging like the negative impact it had on me. I think consent is so important in these kinds of dynamics. Yeah. Especially if you're in a relationship that has other issues. Like if you're not feeling like safe in your everyday relationship. Kink play, like especially heavy kink play with lack of aftercare, is like could be very damaging to your partner and your relationship long term.、Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I also, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> man, you're, you're really pointing out something important the relationship between the two people, whether they're in a play relationship that they contracted a You know, as friends, or whether they are long term lovers,、right. the relationship has to be safe and full of trust. If we、yes. don't have trust, we can't surrender. So you can't be a submissive and not the whole point of being a submissive is to surrender. Right. right? So if there is no trust globally, it's very difficult to role play then, right? Then right. That's, that, that's a compromise there that was、right. compromised. Yeah. More force into the role. Pressured, like very much. My sexual relationship with him was like, I'm going to call it absolutely abusive. There was a lot of like shaming and coercive sex and sex that I didn't want to happen that would happen anyways.、Um, things that he would do to me without my knowledge. Like he would, we would be having sex just, you know, every day, pretty easygoing, lovely little go in the bedroom. And then he would just like drop this on me, like, I want you to pretend that you're like 13 and you are like your breasts are not developed and like、Ooh. while he's actively inside of me, like that, like there's there was no like conversation of like, hey, do you want to play like this today? Like, is this okay with you? It was always just like never ending, always this thing. Like, we wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. We would talk about it after and I'd be like, hey, yeah, like I didn't really like that. I'd like to just have some like normal, like, Connected sex with you、um, and just like intimacy. There's like not a lot of aftercare, and just to like have that pressure on me to like play in that way and then to just have it thrown on me like in the middle. There's no、sex. consent. There's no consent. Absolutely no consent.、Yeah. 
And then afterwards he'd be like, well, you know, I only want to do things that you want to do. And it's like, okay, well, obviously you're not respecting what I have to say because you're still like pushing it so much onto me. And, you know, there's like other very traumatic things that happened to me in that relationship that I'm working through continuously with my current partner. Um, And so I don't ever want to give people the idea that like the kink community or like the BDSM community is like bad or like just like demonize it already and like ostracize that community more than they already are. Um, Because like the other end of it is that it can be super, super safe. Like I did not let anybody tie me up since that last relationship until my current partner and like what I was talking to you guys about last episode and just like feeling safe to let go. And even past that, like we've engaged in more like, like intermediate kink kind of stuff. Um, my current partner and I using the pillow actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love that pillow. Um, Gotta get that pillow. Yeah. Where I can just let go and kind of like be his little play doll and be okay with it. And it feels like good and healing. He holds me after and he tells me how much he loves me. But then at the same time, he can fuck me like I'm a doll. And it's like, I'm just like, not, you know, but like we have a conversation about it before we have like continuous check-ins while we're actively having sex. We have a safe word, which is bunny, not a fruit, but cute. (laughs) I can see where that kind of, you know, and I'm going to just call it abuse because it it does sound very abusive, could really have an effect on somebody's mentality and and you know how they look and and view people and partnerships so you know I think you're right you have to be extremely careful and mindful and again that consent is super important like you both have expressed it can be very degrading to your self-esteem over time and like Mm. I think it's the same way like how people stay in those dynamics over time like I grew up like porn being like what you have to you know interact as a woman you have to be a certain way you have to like this you have Mm -hmm. to like that you have to just take it in order to be like valuable as a sexual partner and like if that's what you think that you need to do to like have this person in your life or to get this person off or to like give them what they want to be good enough for them over time like you internalize that and it like makes your self-esteem erode yeah, I could see that. And then you also are completely turned off from your own pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Where there's a lot of good trauma therapies, somatic experiencing, for instance, um, hopefully soon legal MDMA assisted therapy. I just finished my training for psychedelic assisted therapy with that. Mm. Uh, it's super in sexual trauma. I mean, it's, it's, it's the key that unlocks your healing. Um, it's just not legal yet. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still other ways, you know, to do that healing, um, mm-hmm. you know, either underground or, you know, with a seasoned somatic person who really knows how to help you somatically work through that trauma. Yeah. And actually, I have done a lot of, I don't know if this is legal to say, but I've done a lot of psychedelics, um, like guided psychedelic work and self-psychedelic work and like more medicinal and spiritual settings. And that has helped me work through more trauma than. Oh, interesting. Like at once and just like really just like feel it. Yep. 
the word I always want to use is metabolize because it's like, it's just sitting there and like, it really, you just like get through it and you come out and you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, yeah. I think, you know, if you guys are ready, I'd like to get to the fun part of, you know, yes, please. <laughs> this, this can episode. I, can I say one more thing, though. Yeah, I guess absolutely. And aftercare. I have a, just because we're on this idea of like of the possibility of trauma, a lot of people will play simply to be able to experience the aftercare. Mm. So I sometimes will ask my clients, like, you know, are you also enjoying the play and or are you really just trying, is there developmental trauma of neglect and abandonment where the aftercare feels super nurturing and super rewarding and, and, and nourishing, right? And we can weave aftercare into every kind of sex. You're super yeah. cool. You can still do aftercare, right? That could be foreplay. <laughs> and, and so the nourishing, cuddling, holding, tending to can be before sex, during sex, after sex, no matter the type of sex. So I think that that's important for somebody to ask themselves, especially those who are attracted to this world, for maybe just the aftercare, because I've seen that. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's talk to us. Let's t- <laughs> let's talk toys. Um, before we before we get into uh, Savannah's uh, reviews of some of her fun kinky stuff, Adam and Eve has a very large variety of stuff to choose from, from beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And Savannah, I think you're going to show us a little bit of all three of those. Um, uh, you know, categories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what word to use, but the Adam and Eve does have something for everyone. Visit adamandeve.com. Choose almost any one item to get 50% off when you use the code MODERN. That's M-O-D-E-R-N. Also includes 10 free gifts and free discreet shipping. You know, I was on there the other day thinking it would be fun to kind of dress up sexy for Halloween this year. Um, Not necessarily kinky, but uh, maybe while giving out candy. (laughs) To, to George, to George, not to the kids. Um, and they had some really cute, sexy costumes that I thought would be fun, too. I haven't done that in a while, so, you know, maybe it's yeah. time. Again, adamandeve.com, code word modern. Get 50% off almost any one item. And don't forget the free stuff, 10 bonus gifts, and free shipping. Uh, just use code modern at checkout. So let's dive a little deeper into some of this fun stuff. Savannah, what do you got for us? Well, speaking of Halloween and outfits, one of the things that I definitely wanted to try was like a little light bondage outfit. It's just like a little dress. Obviously, I'm not going to put it on because it's That is cute. Um, It's got like little slits and studs on the side. I think this is a good beginner thing to try out because if you're just trying it's hard to be like oh i'm going to be dominant especially like if i don't know uh, in like het relationships typically the female is expected to be more dominant that's just like how things typically shake out and i think to get in the headspace for example like when i go to work i have to i have like a specific playlist that i listen to i call it my bad bitch playlist and it just gets <laughs> me into like my icy dom like badass stripper mode where i'm like fuck man give me money basically <laughs> and like this dress kind of makes me feel the same way oh nice <laughs> can can i jump in with you savannah for a moment 
um, yeah. on the beginner level, because I don't know that all beginners will just want to throw that on. But okay. considering that it's Halloween, right, and considering mm -hmm. what you just said, Kim, in terms of being a beginner, um, Halloween is this day of permission to wear outfits like that and be the beginner, play with that beginner dynamic in a really permissive way, because Halloween is like, hey, you know, like, this is the day that we dress up anyway. Yeah, so, right. It's, you know, wear that dress on Halloween as your as your entry into beginning to play, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that idea. I could do that. Great. <laughs> Savannah's like, I'm going to wear this every day. It's a beginner dress. And Kim's like, yeah. I'll wear it for um, Halloween. Um, I'm also a stripper, so, you know, I might be a little skewed in my fashion choices. That's why I jumped in. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So next beginner thing that I feel like is definitely a beginner thing is um, this bondage kit that has these little it's four ropes uh, tie downs. So instead of handcuffs, which I feel like can be kind of like harsh on the skin, I've tried a lot of them. I've never found any that I really enjoy. And, it, and, um, and definitely like can't break through handcuffs either. <laughs> true these are more versatile oh, dr jenny says ah, maybe you can you could slip the right out of ones you can break through that's Trust true the little ones yeah um these are more versatile there's four straps they're pretty long you can tie them to each other there's like hands and feet your hands don't have to be together they can be separated you can tie to the bed there's just like it's just way more versatile there's more poses and like if you what is that word it's not like like the rope tie-up stuff. It's like Kabari. Yeah. Um, what is it? I think it's called harsh on the skin. Where yeah, exactly. Sensation of softness that doesn't, that's not abrasive. Yeah? Yeah. This is like very velvety lined. Um, and it also comes with this little mask. Oh. Just super soft. It's very cute. Very super <laughs> soft on the eyes. And you cannot see. So it's effective. <laughs> Okay, I I would be willing. I would be willing to try that. Yeah, it's soft. It's fun. There's a lot you can do with it. Um, and know, can you just, show us the package? Which what is that called? It's a sports sheets beginner bondage fantasy kit. Okay, check. And it's a lot. It's like I feel like bondage kits. If it's your first time stepping to this kind of thing, it can be lighthearted and fun. Um, like I remember, I don't know, just like the act of my boyfriend tying me up sometimes. It's like, haha, like, what are you doing? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you play that role. Yeah. Well, so yeah. far I like that. And I like the leather, the leather outfit. Yeah. Oh, also the thing I wanted to mention about this outfit is Adam and Eve is really great about offering extended sizes. Oh, um, so there is literally know. a size in outfit and dress for anyone, which I like definitely really appreciate about that because I am a lingerie connoisseur and I cannot say the same for a lot of companies. Yeah. Love um, it. Savannah, can I jump in again on that bondage kit? For yeah. beginners again, it might be worth doing tying up or blindfold and maybe not both yeah. at the same time because that can be an overload to the system, to your nervous mm. system for mm -hmm. very beginners, right? Because if you take away one of your senses like sight, it accentuates your other senses, right? Yeah. So even just taking away sight can be its own, you know, play. It's sensory play, right? Another way to think about kink is sensory play, right? So you can play with 
smell and you said whipped cream at one point, Kim, right? Yeah. Like that, that definitely sensory and taste. Um, but I find for beginners to do tie up and take away the sensation of sight, yeah. it feel like an overload. So I would say go slow with your patients on that. Okay. I don't even, I can't even handle being blindfolded and tied up at the same time. So I'm glad you jumped in and said that because I wouldn't have thought to say that, but I can't even given like my past and stuff, you know, it's like hard for me to like give up that much control. Okay. I feel much better now. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) all of it is in baby steps and there's no pressure to be like, by the way, (laughs) huh? I think, I think bondage is more medium play to, by the way. Yeah. I don't know what I would consider beginner in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Feathers, like sensory play, like feathers on the body. Yeah. Um, ice cubes, um, maybe, uh, you know, a, a warm, like something warm, even like a warm, um, you know, things that you wear for like for your body to warm up muscles, like, you know, just playing with some, with temperature um, and lighter sensations, um, even like scratching, right, can be all those like lighter play, lighter sensations, I kind of put into a light play box. Okay. I actually last Valentine's Day, I kind of introduced my boyfriend into that kind of thing. His love language is physical touch. And I'm not like a very cuddly person. So for Valentine's Day, I like got these like silk straps. I tied him up. I got like a massage wax candle. I like got ice cubes. I got like these different chocolates and candies and stuff. So I had him blindfolded and I was like feeding him and I would have ice and then like the hot Oh, wax. I love that idea. Yeah. And like my nails, he loves my nails. <laughs> I did and something. That, I did. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. And go yeah, ahead. he loved it. I mean, that, that was definitely a good beginner thing for him. I, I do I do remember, I mean, so we've been married 19 years, so I have to go back a little ways. But I do remember one time opening the door to George when he came home, and I was um, completely naked, and I had created this little bedroom in our living room by the fireplace, and it had all these little fun things. I totally forgot that I did that, and it was so, so fun. fun. And we did yeah. kind of the same thing, you know, little chocolates and I you know little sensory things I'm, I'm you're right Dr. Jenny I'm a little more kinky than I thought your light pink part there it is right there it Setting, is to bring in that language yep yep I totally forgot about that oh my god I'm so horrible I need to really up my game for sure all right what, what else do we have be in service to him um Speaking of being in service to him, I personally think this is kind of kinky, and I I guess I don't know what good beginner versus intermediate is, but it is a, like, male masturbator toy that has a vibrator in it. It's a what? So it's just, like, it's a male masturbator toy. It's like a male solo toy. Oh. Um, and it's got, a, it's got a vibrator in it, so it, like, kind of, like, cups his balls while it, like, I don't know, it's... Exactly. And so I think this is good for couples play. I personally like watching him pleasure himself. And I, this is not like BDSM, but it is outside of what I think would be vanilla couples play. So maybe that is more interesting. Okay. 
Well, you know, even my husband says, how come I don't have as many toys as you have? Like, well, maybe we need to change that up. Yeah, exactly. I got to amp up his toy box, too. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I actually need Um, new toys. These next two are definitely advanced. Um, One is this lace collar and leash set. Huh. Personally, not my thing. I am not into that kind of role playing, but I did from just a product standpoint, enjoy the feeling of this, how soft it was. Um, it doesn't like chafe you. You can kind you can, it's like, it's just comfortable to wear as far as like a manufacturer standpoint. The chain is like, it's not, it does not feel cheap. It feels like really, it's like heavy. So it feels kind of serious and like luxurious in my opinion. And mm. it's like definitely strong. So even if you're not like being held down or like being walked around, for example, just like having the leash attached to the collar, just like the happiness, I think kind of like does enough. You know, that still make a great Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see myself putting that on George and walking around in the little dominatrix outfit. Mm-hmm. He could just wear pants and a, and a yeah. collar. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't go trick-or-treating with the grandkids like that. But, hey, it could be fun around the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so that's a fun, more advanced one, I think. Um, and then the most advanced one that I have are these clit and nipple suction twisters. Oh. They're not clamps. Personally, I have a sensory thing about metal on my body. Like, I hate it. And I, yeah, I can't. Something about the feeling of metal on my body just, like, really is upsetting. <laughs> I just I just have super sensitive nipples. I don't think I could go there. Uh, yeah, I guess also this is like a little bit less. What? And, okay, so somebody explained to me what is the what is the deal with that with nipple clamps? I mean, why is that? Is that the painful part of this type of of sex, Doctor Jenny? I mean, is that where that comes from? You know, nipple clamps tend to be a higher sensation that people can call painful. Um, a lot of people who like it, it sort of accentuates arousal. So it's it's those who like them don't necessarily go, oh, this is painful in an uncomfortable way. It's more of a sensation of it's it's a magnifying sensation, if you will. It's mm. is it is a better description than a painful sensation, and the magnification. Um, also magnifies arousal. So some people will put it on as they're building arousal and some people put it on right at the edge of orgasm. It's the same way some people like to be slapped on the butt right at the edge of orgasm because it sort of accentuates the intensity of the orgasm. So, you know, you know, um, butt play, right? Smacking mm-hmm. and, and spanking play is another type of BDSM play. And usually at the right at that edge is where it's integrated in really well. And, and they have classes, by the way, you could go to dungeons and there's like 101s on how to spank and 101s on how to whip. And and you can take these to kind of integrate it into your sex play if you want to. But there is sort of a timing to it and a style to it that is accentuating arousal and or orgasm. Huh. So that's the, the thing behind nipple play. Um, I mean, while we're talking about toys with 
this. I'll just, another plug, a lighter nipple play option, right? So be, this breathless, do you guys know this one from Adam and Eve too? The breathless satisfier one. Gosh, no. my lighting is terrible. There it is, right? It's their most no. toy that they made, but, and it's not designed for nipples, but because it's designed for oral sex, so it suctions, right? The clitoris. Oh. So I tell people who want to play light with nipple play, do this on your nipple because the clamp might be too much or the metal might be too much, but this is kind of a cool sensation to play with the nipple. Wow. Well. Just to be creative with your vibrators. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of similar. Um, the suction, it's just more manual. So you can like, mm-hmm. it like, it, it kind of looks like a science experiment. I don't even know quite what this looks like, but you kind of <laughs> twist it up and twist experience. it down. I, it doesn't hurt. Like it doesn't, I'm not like very, pain is not my thing. Um, so I enjoyed this. It wasn't painful, but it definitely like, I think just like the blood flowing more to that area made everything more sensitive so, and nice. So and how you, does it, it show me how that works again what it's it almost looks like a wine opener kind of okay so pretend that there's a nipple here there's not but so you put it here and basically twist it and like the suction from oh got it the vacuum on your skin got it got it got it it um i also use this on my clit which felt pretty good i'm not gonna lie it's a little bit tricky because they're kind of thick so getting the suction there is good but it's uh, it's not bad. That's the first time I've ever played with something like that. Well, um, this has been a very enlightening conversation, to be sure. And I think we might be able to continue a little bit more on on this when we talk next episode about unconventional sex. Um, thank you both. And by the way, we'll put uh, links on all of this stuff on our website, um, modernpleasurepodcast.com. And you can get all of these. Uh, items at adamandeve.com don't forget use code word modern and you get 50% off of one item almost any one item and plus 10 free gifts which are which are really fantastic free shipping uh, all of that and just for listening uh, to modern pleasure podcast see this is the fun part thanks again you guys for being here Um, as usual I always learn something new about myself (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to go, you know, see what I can do about this. I think it, it'll be a fun experiment. Keep listening. Keep downloading. Keep sharing. Keep subscribing and following. And hopefully you're learning as much as I am on this show. Savannah, what about you? What Are you learning some fun things? Definitely. I'm also excited to be able to share. And I think just normalized vulnerability around these topics is super important for all age groups oh for sure for sure i i I have i feel the same way it's been very enlightening to say the least so next uh, episode is going to be a lot of fun too so make sure you join us thanks again everybody for listening we'll see you next time 